Welcome to What, Why, and How, the podcast where we unravel the intricacies of pharmacy and healthcare law and regulation. I'm your host, Seth Brown, Director of Public Affairs at the Iowa Pharmacy Association. Each month, we'll explore what changes occurred, why the action was taken, and how these changes will impact pharmacy practice. From Congress to the Iowa Legislature, we aim to make sense of the often confusing and complex legislative and regulatory space. And knowing the what, why, and how, we can navigate the legal landscape together. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Iowa Pharmacy Association's What, Why, and How podcast. My name is Seth Brown, and I am the Director of Public Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. It's great to join you all today. Today, we have a special guest joining us to discuss the law and regulation of a major player in the prescription drug supply chain that pharmacies are all too familiar with. For nearly two decades now, IPA has championed some form of legislative reforms to the licensure, reporting, and other conduct of pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs. The regulation of these players has developed in recent years in Iowa and across the country in an effort to shed more light on how these companies operate and how they impact access to healthcare. Most recently, IPA passed PBM legislation in 2022 that reignited the Iowa Insurance Division's involvement in regulation and data collection in this space. So today, we have invited the expert on Iowa PBM law and regulation, the Senior Health Policy Specialist for the Iowa Insurance Division, Andrea Seid. Andrea, thank you for joining the What, Why, and How podcast. Thank you, Seth. Yes, as, as you mentioned, my policy or my role is the Senior Health Policy Specialist for the Insurance Division. Um, that largely encompasses um, setting up Iowa's PBM oversight. They do have other roles relating to um, health care and the Affordable Care Act and reviewing health care legislation, but I, I'm really trying to focus largely on PBM oversight. Yeah. And I know you have a, a lot of experience in this space, so we appreciate you taking the time to meet with us today and talk about one facet uh, of your job, um, PBM or regulation. So, Andrea, as mentioned, under uh, PBM legislation that passed in 2022, the Iowa Insurance Division has increased regulatory oversight over PBMs operating in Iowa. Could you provide an overview of the insurance division's authority in this space as it relates to data collection, investigations, and enforcement? Uh, essentially, what tools does IID have to regulate PBMs? All right. Well, thank you. That is a, a loaded question with a long answer, so I will just dive right in. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think the most significant change in the PBM legislation was really to remove the language that was deemed preempted under ERISA um, by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, in that case, PCMA sued Commissioner Gerhardt. Um, he was the commissioner at the time. Um, and it, it was it, we were sued over a provision to require more price transparency um, and PBM payments to pharmacies. So I think removing that was a big piece of the ability to allow, you know, the ability of the Iowa Insurance Division to effectively oversee PBMs. And there were also several court cases at that time, including the Rutledge case that was actually decided by the Supreme Court of the United States that really gave insurance divisions um, and departments of insurance more oversight and information collection authority. So the new legislation gave the insurance division um, more authority in a couple areas. 
a big one to note is that it really expanded the scope of PBM businesses, business practices that the Iowa Insurance Division could review and examine. Um, prior to that legislation, we really only had the authority to look at the fully insured market of a PBM, but that legislation changed that to require PBMs to give us information about fully and self-insured business. And that's important because we were prior to that really only getting a small portion or less than a half of the business, the commercial business practices of a PBM. So seeing all of the commercial business that a PBM is engaging in is important. There are also some other key pieces in that legislation um, that prohibited PBMs from charging certain fees to pharmacies. And some of those fees were um, directly spelled out, but what I really like about that um, that legislation is that it also said, or any other form of remuneration charged by uh, the, the PBM to the pharmacy. Um, a big, another big change in the legislation was um, prohibiting clawbacks and, and that the language is called a retroactive reduction of a clean claim except in the cases of duplication fraud or when it's done through an audit, you know, that clawback provision I think has been very helpful um, to the insurance division in, in trying to look at what the PBM practices and, and fees and everything that they're charging to a pharmacy. Um, so you asked about the IAD's authority to collect data and investigate. Um, I don't think that I don't think the legislation really um, changed that authority that we had, but what it did do was give the Iowa Insurance Division funding for two positions, including my position, um, to begin implementing and overseeing all of the functions that are you know, new in the legislation and the authority that there previously was. Um, we really just didn't have folks dedicated to monitoring PBMs prior to the 2022 legislation. And again, I think those court cases changed that and certainly the legislation did. So what, but what we have done, and you know, in ta talking about data collection and investigations during the first year after the legislation passed um, and it was passed effective June 13th of 2022. And we really hit the ground running. Some of the first actions that we took were to start collecting data um, that we had the authority to collect. We, we recognized immediately that part of that data collection was also in the complaint process. So we set up a, a separate PBM complaint um, form for pharmacies to use. We had a we have a complaint form that is used for consumers, but it was really geared towards consumers complaining about the insurance company and just didn't fit for pharmacies that want to wanted to file complaints about a PBM. So we did set that up, went through the process of you know posting it online and I know we worked with the Iowa Pharmacy Association um, to make sure that pharmacies were aware of it and to get feedback on that process. And so that um, we got that up and um, set up for pharmacies. Also in our administrative rules, we have the PBMs are required to file quarterly reports on the number of pharmacy complaints they receive. 
we created a, a single template um, that we require all PBMs to use to submit those reports. Um, we created the process that the PBMs had to submit those reports and messaging for the PBMs because previously this really wasn't done and we were not receiving information that was consistent or even fulsome of all of the PBMs. We did start collecting that data for quarter four of 2022 and are now, you know, now we just finished I guess we just collected quarter four of 2023, so we have five quarters worth of data. We we also, um, another step that we took to really begin understanding our PBMs was revise our messaging on uh, the data collected through our annual reports. I mentioned earlier that before we were receiving information about the fully insured business, well, for last year's annual report, which was due, February 15th, we were able to collect information on the fully and self-insured business. So again, the entire commercial market, um, it, that does not include Medicare and Medicaid business, but the entire commercial market. And we really are, you know, those reports, um, there's, there's a public reports that are posted online and it was pretty shocking to see the changes from one year to the next. Um, to see when we started collecting all the commercial business. Those reports collect information about rebates that the pharmacy, or excuse me, that the PBM receives and payments that they receive from uh, the insurance company or the, the employer group. And then I guess what also we, oh, we also realized that we wanted to collect more information in that annual report. And so we did draft administrative rules to clarify uh, that the information we collected in the um, annual report, that we did have the authority to collect drug-specific information, including drug-specific information about rebates um, and drug-specific information on insure payments. So that drug-specific information, again, is confidential in our statute, but for this last um, annual report, which was due February 15th of this year, we did collect more confidential information and we're just diving into that now, but it's it's been pretty eye-opening to see the drugs that um, PBMs are receiving rebates on and and just kind of how they're allocated and how those rebates are retained or passed retained by the PBM or passed through to the third party payer, AKA the insurance company or employer group. Um, so I would say that all of those reports were really, really helpful in understanding our PBMs, but to really, you know, that information collection process was limited in complaints and um, rebate and insurer payments to the PBM. So another big undertaking that we took last year was to conduct a PBM compliance inquiry. And that inquiry was designed to collect market-wide information on all the business practices of PBMs in Iowa. And that was um, a lengthy process, <laughs> but we were able to reach it. We, you know, we designed a, a template to be able to collect consistent information from PBMs. We 
asked for information about the business structure of the PBMs. We got information on um, the audits that were done, the terminations of pharmacies, the fees that were charged to pharmacies. We asked for information about um, who the PBMs were doing business with um, and the number of pharmacies that they had in their network. So that was most helpful for us, I think, in just better understanding the business structure of the PBMs and how they're conducting business in the Iowa market. And one thing that I learned that's been, I, I learned that a lot of the PBMs, so Iowa has, I think it's, we're at 49 PBMs licensed right now. One of the things I learned through that compliance inquiry is that most PBMs um, seem like they're trying to do the right thing. I mean, there are some admittedly well-known PBMs that really need more oversight. <laughs> and, but some of them were, were really, there's, there's a number of smaller PBMs, meaning maybe they're not doing as much business in Iowa, that really reported consist that they were behaving in, or that they were, they had processes in place that were set up to be consistent with Iowa's legislation. Um, you know, the information, you know, so I think that information, sorry, kind of a, like I said, a long-winded response here, but I think the big thing we learned from all the information in those reports was also where to focus. Um, so for right now, I think the insurance division is focused on the PBM and pharmacy relationship. There is certainly a lot to do in the PBM manufacturer insurance company space. But I do think that from the reports and information we've collected that, that, you know, there's a really direct impact on the pharmacies in, in that PBM pharmacy relationship. And, and it's dire, and, and that's where our focus is right now. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Andrea. And thank you for that, that full uh, picture, um, painting that for us. I know that the insurance division is doing a lot of work in this space, and it's obvious that you're taking this very seriously. And I can tell you, I personally appreciate that, and our members definitely do. We hear all the time about all the work um, your, your group is doing, so we appreciate that. Um, I, I do want to dig into the complaint aspect a little more. Um, because as you hinted at, um, more transparency and a better understanding of the complete picture is, is definitely needed in this space. Um, IPA actively encouraged our members to submit complaints, both to their PBM and to the division, as a result of some of the legislation that um, previously passed. So following a slew of complaints uh, and investigations by the insurance division, uh, the insurance commissioner, Doug Oman, presented to the House and the Senate Commerce Committee this session on some of the findings that um, were, were uncovered during the PBM complaint process. Could you speak to those findings that Commissioner Oman uh, shared in those January presentations? Yeah, yeah, thank you. That um, I think maybe that was some shocking information <laughs> um, that was presented. And so I, I mentioned setting up that PBM um, complaint process or the, the quarterly complaint reports that we receive. And so prior to the legislation being enacted, we just didn't have um, 
a set way for PBMs to report to us. So we were receiving some information um, from some PBMs that was completely different among all PBMs. But creating that template to require PBMs to report in a consistent manner and setting up the process was really important. And so over the past year, and I, I won't speak to, I mentioned earlier that we have five quarters worth of data. We have, I haven't updated our numbers from quarter four of 2023 yet, as we, we just got that information, it was due January 31st. But over one year's worth of data collected, you know, we found that of the payments or of the complaints, we divided complaints into audit complaints, payment related complaints, termination or suspension complaints, and then a catch-all other. So four categories that we required those PBMs to report on, um, and they report again based on complaints they receive from pharmacies. There were, let me get my numbers here, Seth. We found that there were 72,640 complaints related to payment matters, 72,000. The other three categories combined had 117. So 99.8% of the complaints that PBMs received from pharmacies were payment-related complaints. And I think that number was really shocking for um, the legislator to hear. And so that was a big thing. But also one of the things that we learned in the data collection process and that Commissioner Oman reported on was in the fees that were still being charged. Um, so even after the legislation was enacted, we started getting complaints from um, from pharmacies to to the insurance division. You know, set up through with you know collaboration with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. But pharmacies submitting those complaints directly to the insurance division for us to investigate. And also through that compliance inquiry, we found that you know some PBMs reported they were still charging fees and whether that was done unknowing of the, the change in the law or whatever, but we collected, we reached out to pharmacies that reported to us, we investigated um, those, excuse me, we reached out, yeah, we reached out to pharmacies and PBMs that reported to us. We reached out to and audited PBMs that reported they were still charging fees. And actually during calendar year 2023, we were able to refund almost $400,000 to Iowa pharmacies for those fees. And so I think that was something that we were really, um, we're really glad that we we're able to do that. So, and at this point, we are kind of we're closing out a couple of other audits expect that and we expect that number to grow a bit but for the most part we hope that pbms are no longer charging um, claims processing fees any sort of transmission fees um, it, you know any any fees to to pharmacies and hopefully those refunds um have come by, you know, hopefully pharmacies have noticed those refunds, but I would encourage that if you are a pharmacy and you think you're still being charged those fees, we definitely want to hear from you. Yeah, Andrea, I have to say those, the findings were shocking. Um, you were, hit the nail on the head there. I know a lot of us, when we heard the commissioner speak to that, 
um, we kind of looked at each other and our eyes got big. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, this might, that might answer my question, but, how, and this is a little bit off script, but how does that number compare to other industries? I mean, is that typical? 72,000 complaints? I, I, no, <laughs> it's, I mean, I think it was very, a very shocking number for a lot of people um, and, and really something that we're, we're glad we're able to put it out there because we didn't know that a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. And, and to know just what is the, you know, what are pharmacies complaining to PBMs about what 99.8% of the payments or, or of the complaints are that they're not being they're being paid essentially less than they're being reimbursed, um, or excuse me, they're they're paying more for the drug than they're being reimbursed by the pharmacy, by the PBM. Pardon me. I mean that's that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just not a sustainable business model. Um, I, no. I think a lot of people recognize that, but um, obviously um, there's there's been a lot of work up to this point to uncover some of the uh, opaqueness and make it more transparent. Um, but also the division has introduced PBM legislation this session. Um, so House File 2099 passed the House unanimously um, and the accompanying Senate File 2357 has passed the Senate Commerce Committee. Um, so it's good to see the division um, acknowledging that you know more has to be done in this space. Could you walk our members through the bill uh, and explain some of the provisions and why they were included? Sure. Um, I will touch on, I, I think, a big one that we recognized just from hearing from pharmacies um, and hearing from Iowa Pharmacy Association was to put in that, uh, to prohibit retaliation and and put that into legislation. And so while we feel like it is illegal for a PBM to retaliate against the pharmacy, we recognize that having that put into legislation um, hopefully provides the pharmacy with a sense of a, a better understanding that we're that the insurance division is taking this seriously. And I have heard from some pharmacies that really express concern um, and don't want to report complaints to us. And so I mentioned fees earlier. I, you know, I, I know that I've heard from some pharmacies that they don't want to report the fees that are being charged to us because they're concerned about the potential retaliation from the PBM. So I think putting, prohibiting retaliation against um, the pharmacy and putting that in legislation is hopefully something that will encourage more pharmacies to report these actions to us. Another big thing that we are changing, and it looks kind of minor in the legislation, but when I talked about fees being charged earlier, um, the fees that were are charged are limited to fees that are being charged by the PBM to a pharmacy in the pharmacy network. And some of the complaints we received from pharmacies were that they were receiving, they were being charged fees to to join the PBM's network. And the way that our legislation was drafted, it was it was a little bit of a gray area as to whether those fees were permissible or not. And so we are striking some of the information or deleting rather some of the information or that 
the language in that um, provision to make it clear to a PBM that you also cannot charge a fee to a pharmacy for joining the network. And we did, it was kind of interesting to be in the subcommittee meetings about this, um, where we heard PBM groups um, complain about, you know, this is important, we need to have these fees. But that's where I was really grateful that we had done, we conducted that compliance inquiry because out of the PBMs, we, you know, we that it was sent out to 49, 50, I think we had 52 at the time, we'll just say 50-ish PBMs, only three reported that they were charging those network fees. So this wasn't a big change for most of the PBMs, but the PBMs that were doing it were charging significant fees, and they were fees that were market barriers to pharmacies being able to enter into that PBM's network. So I'm glad that that is passed through um, and look forward to you know those two pieces in the rest of the legislation um, passing through up to the, you know, up to having the governor sign off on it. There are a couple other updates in that, in our legislation. Um, I think another big one that is uh, really ho hopefully helpful for pharmacies is making sure that um, the pharmacy benefit manager is obligated to exercise good faith and fair dealing um, in their contractual obligations to a pharmacy. So currently the legislation requires that for the um, insurance company or employer group, but we are adding that contractual good faith and fair dealing with the PBM and the pharmacy as well. Yeah, we appreciate all of those provisions. I know they were uh, several, pretty much everything that was included in your bill um, had been brought to us from the association side from a member and they said, you know, this is an issue we're seeing. This is something we've talked to the insurance division about and it, we feel like they've heard us on this. So um, we definitely appreciate that. Um, your comment about fees hindering network access. Um, I mean, that's a patient access issue that absolutely impacts Iowans that needs to be addressed. So um, yeah. something that we thought was prohibited. Um, I'm glad it's being clarified and it's being addressed in, in this bill that the division is bringing. Um, you know, other... Seth, oh, sorry, I didn't yes. cut you off. I was just going to add one other thing. There were um, other um, sections and pieces that we were considering. Um, and I'll just share that, I, you know, that there's, there we're monitoring the court cases as, as they're happening. And there was a, a ruling, it was this summer, and I, I, maybe August or so, but it was that the PCMA v. Mulready case. And, and in that case, you know, there were some actions that the court deemed were, um, that Oklahoma had implemented that were preempted under ERISA. And so there were a few things that we were looking at implementing in our legislation that we just kind of took a step back um, because it doesn't make sense for for us to implement something that a court has just said is preempted. You know, I want to be able to make sure that our law, that we have authority to implement all pieces of our law. And if we are going to immediately receive a challenge that's going to be drug out in the court in the court system, you know, that's problematic. And then that takes away from our ability to really focus our resources on the actions that 
are prohibited in our statute. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I know there is a lot of shifting ground in this space, um, especially as it relates to the judicial um, standing of a lot of uh, state PBM laws. Um, I know that we had considered several things for our standalone PBM legislation that's in addition to the to the insurance divisions, and we had similar uh, considerations. You know, we want to make sure that this legislation that is ultimately adopted by the legislature and uh, approved by the governor uh, is able to be implemented right away and actually helps pharmacies, and it's not drug out like we've seen in past Iowa PBM court cases. So yeah. um, definitely understand that. And so what other PBM actions does the insurance division have authority to regulate that pharmacies should report um, through the complaint process? What else can be done? Well, th thank you. I, you know, I mentioned th the fees and the clawbacks, you know, and with the fees, I, we've heard this and I, I can say I, I've just heard this. So there's not been an investigation that has been done on this, but, you know, I, we we hope that, PBMs have stopped charging Iowa pharmacies the fees that are prohibited. Unfortunately, we've heard that PBMs are kind of shifting those fees to other states. So if a, if a pharmacy group has um, a group of, pharma, you know, pharmacies in multiple states, that those fees may be shifted. And I think that's unfortunate that that is what's happening that's what the PBMs are doing. Uh, one of the things too I mentioned earlier that we want to be looking at are those clawbacks. Um, and I actually issued a letter to all PBMs. I believe it was the beginning of January, maybe January 4th is coming to my head. Um, putting PBMs on notice that if they are, if they have contracts that have effective rate reviews um, clauses in them, that we believe those that clause is inconsistent with Iowa law. And I invited all PBMs that may have that type of contract to contact me, um, reach out to the Iowa Insurance Division and help us understand why that practice is not prohibited under Iowa law. And so this is the practice where, and, and you and your audience certainly know this best, but it's where the PBM pays the claim um, whether it's the MAC price or the usual and customary or um, whatever the lowest of the low price that they're going to pay is, but it's a clean claim. Well, then to go back later at the end of the year and do an aggregation of all of the claims and decide that maybe maybe too much was actually paid. And so there maybe there needs to be a clawback of more more of the fees that were paid. You know, that's the practice that we're putting PBMs on notice. Um, and we haven't received a complaint on that yet, but we are, you know, certainly looking into that. And I, if, if this is happening to any of the pharmacies, I encourage you to submit a complaint to us. Um, and if, you know, we may be reaching out to certain PBMs if we, if we hear just anecdotal, anecdotal information on PBMs doing that as well. Unfortunately, Seth, it really feels like the, <laughs> it just feels like the PBMs are pivoting um, and they're implementing new business practices and maybe that's for lack of a better word, um, but they, they seem to just be moving, you know, in attempts to avoid the regulatory oversight. I know that our 
law has a gag clause provision in it. And I, and I feel like that, that was a really big issue where pharmacies could, and pharmacists couldn't tell a consumer that, hey, you could actually get this drug for less money mm -hmm. than you're paying towards your insurance company. You know, PBMs had clauses that prohibited pharmacists from saying that. Um, that law is, it feels like it's only, it's not really that old of a law, but I think that the practice has changed. So the pivoting is happening, that the fees are being charged maybe to other state pharmacies. And and we just, we what we really need to know and what I really need to hear from the Pharmacy Association and the Iowa pharmacies is what are you seeing? What's happening in your contracts? What's happening in your relationships with the the, the PBMs? Um, because a lot of this is, it's just, it's it's in constant it's constantly changing and we want to keep up on this and i think that is the challenge comes um when we're you know kind of it, the challenge comes in not knowing what those practices are so we really just do encourage um pharmacies to keep us in the loop on what they're seeing andrea that's the perfect call to action to our members i, I have we have blasted it from the rooftops but transparency oversight and a true understanding of the influence of pbms is urgently needed right now um, and the only way to do that is through submitting complaints um, and making sure that people reach out and, and make the issues known um, i know we've shared on past podcasts and i've talked to you about, about it Andrea, several times but um, we did a survey and 40.8 percent of pharmacies that responded to this survey um, they expect to close or sell within the next 12 months. Uh, that was in October, so in 2024. So that would be a, about, just based on this small sample size, about 133,000 patients that would lose access to community pharmacy in Iowa. This, the only way to address that is letting people know, making sure it's clear, you know, what practices are causing that. Uh, and we know the insurance division has made great strides in this, this space to understand the inner workings of PBMs and uncover ways to, to help these pharmacies. So again, to the members listening, submit complaints, make sure the division knows and, and legislators know. And Andrea, again, I just wanna thank you for all your work on this. Um, and thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. I know that we're gonna continue to educate our members and, and try to fill you and your team in at the division as much as possible. Um, but we really appreciate you taking the time today and, and throughout your efforts with the division. So again, thank you. Thank you, Seth. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, and again, yeah, we just, hopefully you can, um, we'll put our, um, the link to our complaint form in, the, in the, the notes for everyone to be able to easily access that. Absolutely. We'll definitely share that and make sure everybody has, has the link to our website that gives some more background on, on how to go through that process. But again, we appreciate it. And I thank you, everybody listening for joining the What, Why, How podcast. Um, please tune in next month uh, in, on our next topic. Uh, again, another great episode and we will see you on the next one. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the What, Why, and How podcast so you don't miss an episode. From PBMs to the Board of Pharmacy, we have an exciting slate of topics and guests ahead. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a colleague or friend. Stay connected with IPA through our social networks and add me on LinkedIn or Twitter to further the conversation. 
I'm Seth Brown, and now you know the what, why, and how.